a wonderful and blessed week. I must confess um, that I didn't do something very important this week to prepare for this morning, this moment. I forgot to get a joke. Oh, well, you can just laugh at my coat, you know. Somebody, somebody said this morning, I was coming in and said, is, that gonna, is your coat going to fill the, the joke portion of the sermon? And I said, yeah, it probably should. I laughed. I thought that was hilarious. I just wish I had a quick wit like that. But uh, yeah, I, when I went, you know, this it was a darker corner of Belk where I saw this. You know, getting it out in the daylight, it's a little brighter than what it looked. You know, in this door. You know, so but uh, but anyway, it's good to see everybody this morning. So thankful you're here. Good to see some folks with us who uh, who just uh, hadn't been able to be with us for a while and just been struggling. And and uh, like Brother Jim, it's so good to see him this morning. Miss Eleanor, just glad you're on the mend. Uh, he fell and broke his hip. Uh, about three weeks ago, and just uh, just doing remarkable. Just so thankful. Just a testament to God's healing power. Him being with us, and uh, so many uh, so many others who are here. We're uh, very blessed and and thankful that even in the midst of some of the tragedy we've had going on here, that um, that God is is still blessing His His church. And uh, oh, my sister apparently wants to be introduced. That's Ashley there that uh, giving me that motion. My family is here, and I am blessed because of that. So, uh, yeah, have them stand up. No, <laughs> uh, my goodness, what's that now? It runs in the no, I'm I'm, I'm pretty crazy. I, I just got that honestly, I didn't get it from them, it just kind of happened. But uh, that's that's right, that's the joke about stand up. Um, you know, I've told I've told uh, Ida and, and Joel this. Uh, I don't think I've told the rest of the family, but but after Mr. Tanner passed away, I was calling Dad and saying, "Hey, I'm getting ready to have my first my first funeral here at the church." And that was back in January. And they said, "Oh, really?" And uh, I said, "Yeah." And they said, "Well, who is it?" Because you know they've been here a time or two at, up to that point. And I said, "Well, his name was Tanner Carver." And Dad's like, mm, "I don't remember him." I'm like, "I don't know if you've met him or not." During the week, it just hit me. I called back Dad, called Dad back as soon as I figured it out. I said, Dad, you know exactly who he was. He was the man who asked you to stand up and show everybody who you were. <laughs> he said, I remember him. I remember him. Oh, good, good stuff. The Lord, um, even in sadness, He gives us lots of laughter and wonderful things to fill our, fill our days. I hope those who are experiencing that now, or um, uh, those who are with us and those who can't be, that laughter will fill your days. And um, that, uh, that when sadness comes, that the Lord's joy will quickly replace it. That's something we're going to talk about this morning. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the, the nitty-gritty of God's Word today. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for bringing us here and giving us this opportunity to come together and to just uh, enjoy fellowship, Lord, to, to laugh over things. And, and Lord, we, we know that joy comes from you. You, you tell us that you know, a life without without joy just withers the bones, but joy and laughter, Lord, you tell us in your word, just gives life to, to our being. It, it, it picks us up and, and helps us when times really are tough and when things get serious, that, Lord, even a bit of joy in you can break the tension. In the midst of deepest suffering, Lord, you have told us that your joy can fill us and we can find a way, uh, Lord, that even in the midst of, of great sufferings of all kinds, Lord, to to experience uh, your presence and your peace and the comfort that only your spirit can bring. And so, Lord, it's, 
is because we all are, are bond together in, in this world, not only in your Son, but also in commonalities of life experiences. Though they may not have the same names or happen at the same places, we all still, still very much experience life. And, and we need your Word that speaks to all of it and to all of us to guide us in your ways when, when life does get tough. Lord, we also need you to guide us in the good times too, Lord. We don't want to forget you when things are going well and only call on you when things are, things are not. Lord, help us to be people who, who pray on the big days so, so that not only, or excuse me, Lord, pray on the little days so that, Lord, the big days when they come, uh, Father, that, um, that we can be blessed even in those too. That our prayers in the good times will help hold us through even those bad times. Lord, just help mold us after your son, Jesus, who was so perfect in every way. Lord, that's a lot for us as humans to attain. But Lord, you've told us through your word that we can strive for it. Help us strive to be more like Jesus. To walk with you deeper every day. Lord, that we might be more blessed today than we were yesterday. More blessed tomorrow than we are today. And Lord, as we stand at the crux of your word, May we hear it. Let it not fall on deaf ears today, but Lord, may we listen. That it might mean something to us. So Lord, our days may be guided more and more by Jesus. We might be found more like him because we listen to you. Who became like Jesus. And so it's in his name I ask a prayer, a blessing over all this. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would please open with me to uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. We read this verse last week uh, to introduce who this uh, joyful apostle was in the midst of suffering. To look at him as the person who, who at all times wasn't somebody who, who would probably say that, that everything was going well for him. That he almost was taken over by suffering. But... Despite his failures, he found hope. So now let's look at this hopeful apostle in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, beginning in, in verse 1. And this morning, uh, we will read uh, through verse 9 together. This is what it says. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the providences of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and or Asia, excuse, excuse me, I got that accent going on with it. You know? That's the only word I, I can say. The place is still, still uh, some of those places are still around Asia. It's the only one I say regularly. Asia, a- <laughs> Asia, <laughs> and Bithynia. I'll get the silliness together, I promise. Now, these places, these people who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to the obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, 
or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him, and even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Nate Saint was born in 1923. He's the one pictured on the far left. Nate Saint was born in 1923 to a Christian family dedicated to serving the Lord and living for Him. Nate was a curious boy who loved airplanes and wanted to be a pilot like his older brother. So when he was 19, Nate signed up for the U.S. Army to serve in World War II and learn how to fly airplanes. But when a previous infection in his leg flared up, he was not allowed to fly. However, in his three years in the Army, he did learn a lot about planes and how to fix them. After he left the army, a missionary asked Nate to come to Mexico to fix a badly damaged airplane. Nate went and decided to serve Christ by being a missionary pilot. He married his girlfriend, Marjorie, and headed for the South American country of Ecuador to open a new missionary aviation fellowship station. Nate's job was to fly missionaries into remote jungle villages and bring supplies to them. The supplies that Nate dropped off would often get caught in the trees or badly broken as they fell from the airplane, so Nate invented a bucket drop system. By flying in tight circles, a bucket containing supplies could be lowered from the airplane and the bucket would remain still so the missionaries could easily unload it. Using this knowledge, he went further in his service and devotion to God. So Nate and four of his friends, the four also pictured there this morning, had a burden to reach a remote people group called the Wadani. These people were very dangerous, known for killing anyone who dared to come into their territory. They were known as the naked savages by the locals of Ecuador. So using Nate's bucket system, the missionaries spent three months sending gifts to the Wyadani in an expression of friendliness. The Wyadani started sending gifts back. What a wonderful sign. And so the missionaries, after a while, decided to land the plane on a sandbar and make contact with the Wyadonis. This would be Nate's last flight, as on that sandbar, he and his friends were killed 
by the Wyadani spears. Sufferings of um, all kinds go on continually around us. As hard as we try, we, we cannot escape them. We have sufferings like the loss of a, a loved one. We have arguments, stress, violence, harsh words, poor child-rearing, sickness, depression. In the case of Nate Saint and his friends, there's murder. In the Apostle Peter's case and that of Jesus, there's betrayal of a friend. And in the case of the early church we read of in this letter, they're, being, they're encouraged despite the suffering of their persecution. You know, if you live long enough in this world, you and I will face sufferings of some kind. Not just a single suffering, but sufferings. Some may face seemingly more than others. In a classic sermon on suffering, preacher Arthur John Gossip stated that, yes, unbelievably, trials must come. For years and years, you and I go our sunny ways and we live out our happy lives. And the rumors of these terrors of trials are blown to us very faintly, as from a world so distant that it seems to have nothing to do with us. And then, to us too, it happens. It happens. As sad as your sufferings may have been, may presently be, or may be in the future, suffering is just as much a part of our lives as the people that are in our lives. Do we suffer all the time? No. I don't want to make it seem like that's all we do. But when we do suffer, it tends to make us forget the good things that are taking place. The joy of the Lord that we, we sang about Sunday. And it makes us forget that sermon that encouraged us to, to stay strong despite whatever may come our way. We ask when these sufferings come, why me? Why me? Why them? Why did it happen while we were serving God? We say that, that they were so young. We say that no one, no one deserves that. We say it just doesn't make sense. And then these things lead us to wonder, where is God? Where is God in my suffering? And does He even care? The truth is, is yes, God does care. And He is very much right there in the midst of our suffering. You see, church, God would not allow us to go through anything He Himself was not willing to go through first. The Bible says that since the children are flesh and blood, He too shared in their humanity so that by His death He might break the power of Him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. If you want to be mad at somebody during sufferings, be mad at the devil. Be upset with Satan. 
Because death and suffering go hand in terrible hand with one another. Death is the direct result of sin. And so that we did not have to live forever in sin, death was introduced into the garden when they were not allowed to eat any more from the tree of life. That was God's kindness not allowing us to live in our sin and in this fallen world forever. Could you imagine going from one suffering to the next, only to do it over and over and over again for all of eternity? Could you imagine what that would be like? Death was introduced as a, as a kindness into the world. But death also has a side effect when it's not properly placed into God's hands. We know that, that death was also the punishment set for sin. The Apostle Paul tells us that the wages of sin is death. So because... Death is a punishment for sin. Sin is going to cause us to suffer unto the point of death. And it's been this way since just at the very beginning with the first two people. And thereafter unto us and as long as the Lord allows this old world to go around again and again more will suffer after us. Sin is what brought the curse of pain, struggling, and suffering into the world. Satan knew that, and he was behind its introduction. Satan's desire is that our present sufferings will drive us to a death separated from God here on earth therefore separated forever from God in our death. Satan uses suffering to lead us to death apart from God. And we wonder why. We wonder why. An old song poses this thought. Tempted and tried, we're off made to wonder why it should be thus all the day long. While there are others living about us, never molested, though in the wrong. Church, the reality is, is this. We will, not maybe, not just occasionally, but we will suffer more than non-believers. Those who have accepted Christ, we will suffer more than non-believers, because in their lack of confession of Christ, the devil does not need to work as hard on them in the unique ways that he seems to work in the life of the believer. Their life of unrepented sin and the general sufferings of the world is all they're going to face. So Satan pours on unique sufferings that cause a wedge to be built between us and God. And he does his best to drive it firmly between us all the days of our life. And if he doesn't succeed in one area, believe me, he's got a full toolbox. He'll pull out another wedge and drive that one even harder. The world is not under constant attack from Satan. They're under constant attack from sin. Because they have 
given into it fully without repentance. But for us, on the, the other hand, again, we are in constant attack of sufferings, trials, and pain in and, and any effort that the devil can use to lead us away from God. As I mentioned before, we tend to question and wonder about God's presence in our sufferings, but as hard as it may be for us to remember and recall in times of suffering, we need to do our utter best to remember, and we need to do our best to remind others who are in the midst of suffering, who are not thinking clearly as we have been at one point in time about the presence of God. We need to remind them, we need to be reminded that God is there. It is not God who wants to bring this into our life. It's Satan. God uses every avenue He can to get us away from temptation, though He knows and sufferings and trials, though He knows that they in life shall come. And He knows this even better than we do because we're sinful people who are living in a suffering world. We are predisposed to sufferings from without and within, but yet God Himself in the form of Jesus Christ who put on flesh and lived and dwelt in this world, He was perfect in a fallen world of sin. Could you imagine how difficult it must have been for Jesus? Though He had help from God, He constantly had to return to the presence of God that He may stay strong in Him. Could you imagine what it would be like to be perfection in an imperfect world? struggle and the trials that, that He faced. The tauntings that He had on the cross. When people say, come down, just ask the angels and they will remove you from this. I wonder if for a second He thought, yeah, it could be just that easy. As a matter of fact, I know He did because in the garden, the crux of it all rested upon the one moment where in prayer, Jesus prayed, Father, let not my will, but yours be done. In that moment, his humanity cried out for anything else. But his spirit and God said, this is the only way. And he resolved to carry out God's will from that point forward. Today, church, we stand blessed because Jesus came he dorned flesh and blood. He had the ability and the right to overcome death on our behalf. And because suffering is a tool of the devil that leads us to death, Christ has made a way for us to overcome suffering with His help, but only His help. Suffering can very much be overcome because Satan is under the foot of Jesus. Satan's tools of suffering and death, they are under His feet but we have to cling to Jesus so that the help might come. Satan is not under our foot. He is under Jesus. We need His strength to endure these trials that we face. I love it when the songs come together uh, because we sang two wonderful songs, Living Hope and In Christ Alone. I just love when the Spirit moves. Talked about that with Monty on Friday. Just Love how the Spirit moves and we don't even have to ask for it. God just does it. We don't have to orchestrate it. He performs it. That's why Peter says 
because of this overcoming power of even our deepest sufferings. That's why Peter says that Jesus is our living hope. And Jesus is our living hope because this is a hope that we have in Jesus Christ who is not dead, but is very much alive. He was crucified, committed to death, placed in a tomb, but yet He is alive, not by anyone else's power, but by His as God and God alone. In Christ alone, we should place our trust, our faith. We should see Him as our only hope, our living hope, a hope that doesn't fade away momentarily, but a hope that continues and endures and is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I love how Peter praises Jesus, praises God for Jesus, in fact, because it's through Jesus that we have access to the cure to death because of His resurrection and new birth into the family of God. If we are crucified with death in Christ, buried with Him, and raised in newness of life, we too can adorn this living hope and receive an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. No one can take it away from us because it was heaven sent. Nothing of earth, nothing of the deepest pits of hell can take this inheritance, this salvation we have received in Jesus Christ because it was given of only a place where God and the saints reside. And that is a wonderful hope that we have. Amen? What a wonderful, glorious, marvelous hope we have that sin and death and Satan will not have the last laugh over us but that we will have the last laugh over Him. I have told you before, I look forward to the day that Christ steps out for one big reason. And that is because my sin, it's going to be nice to see Jesus. That's the biggie. But the day that, yeah, it's kind of important. <laughs> but I'm looking equally as, as just, just barely below it to the day that my mistakes my sufferings, my problems, my wrongdoings are not going to affect anybody else. And no longer are they going to affect me. No longer can Satan stand over me and stand over you and laugh at you and laugh at me over our wrongdoings. We will stand and laugh over him because we won through Jesus Christ. He lost and we won. But yet, church, I need to tell you something. We have to get to that day. There is a bit of living to do between the cross and heaven, as an old song used to say. And none of us knows when our time is going to come to an end. There will be the day that we will give that last lap, but there is time between now and then. And unless we die right now, there is going to be more suffering that we are going to have until that day comes. There will be trials and pains that will fill our life. And so my question is, what do we do? Yeah, praise God. 
When we are stuck in this rock and a hard place of, of waiting on heaven, but yet suffering until then, church, we need to hold fast to this living hope that so desperately wants to hold fast to us. Jesus Christ came to offer life, new life, resurrected life, freedom from sin, the power over death, hell, and the grave. He offers it to whosoever will believe. He so desperately wants to come to you and to me, and thank God many of us have accepted and reciprocated His offer. But He still wants more. And it's not just a one-time cling to Jesus Christ. He also knows that we forever need to be sheltered underneath the shadow of the cross, underneath the pouring of His blood, that He might cover us all the days of our life, for sin and suffering will continue to come. You see, Peter says that until that last and final day when God gathers all His children home, the living hope of Jesus Christ that's made possible through our salvation, God's power that shields us until then. But until that day, it's going to take faith. Simply put, when suffering comes into our lives, we must trust that not only God is there, but that He will see us through. We've often asked, God, why would you bring us? Why would you bring me out here? Why would you bring us out to this place if you weren't going to see us through to the other side? The Israelites in the Old Testament cried out to God. He only brought us into the desert so that we might die. No. You left one hardship to another to get to the place where God would, would have you to go. Church, God is there. And He will see us through even though we don't understand how. Church, we must trust. We need to keep in mind and in heart in our deepest soul that He surely will do what He has promised us He will do. And this may be hard to reckon with for us at times, but we do have a picture of God's provision for us when we face those hard trials and circumstances. We do have a beautiful picture of what it's like for God to lead us from one good place to another with the trial in between. We say it so often at funerals, but we need to say it so much more in the gathering of those who are still alive. It's the 23rd Psalm. I know you know it, but, but I, I, I want to read it this morning because this, this is God's provision for His children. This is how He leads us through the difficulties of life. This is how He gets us from one blessing to another. The Scriptures say that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul, and He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. And Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He looks at the end of this passage to the day that he dwells in the house of the Lord forever, just the same as Peter says. Your salvation is given to you, though you have not reached heaven yet, he says in verse 9. 
But there are many trials and difficulties to be had between now and then. But not only the trials, not only the sufferings, but there are great blessings. But there are valleys in between mountaintops. We wouldn't call them mountains without the presence of a valley. As much as it is picturesque in nature, it's also picturesque in life. Of the places in between we call sufferings. You see, church, God is with us every step of the way. The Bible tells us He carries a mighty big stick. And He protects us, though our steps are unsure, though the shadows close in and we cannot see. The Bible tells us very clearly that He knows the way. God Himself does not cause trials and sufferings, but He allows them. He leads us to them. He walks us right up to the edge and He walks through them with us because He sees the green mountaintop that is better than the place that we are now. God is the only one who can take us to where it really is greener on the other side. See, Peter put it just like this. In all this, you greatly rejoice. That is, that, that you are rejoicing over being overcomers of the world, sin, and death through Jesus Christ at the end of time. In this, we greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Christ Jesus is revealed. Church, when I look back at the trials of my life, the suffering that I have endured, though it's not as long and arduous maybe as some of you all, I still have faced sufferings in this life that I would say are, are quite bad. I can look back in fondness, not of what happened, but of the increase of faith and the deeper relationship with the Lord that was fostered in my life as a result of the suffering. William Penn, who was known as the founder of Pennsylvania, knew a little something about suffering for the cause of Christ. For as Pennsylvania was founded as a place of religious freedom, once he said, no pain no palm, no thorns, no throne, no gale, no glory, no cross, no crown. The Apostle Paul said of himself in a similar manner that he rejoices in his sufferings knowing that sufferings produce endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not Put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Church, we may not suffer alike. But we can agree that we do not like suffering. But we also need to be in agreement that when it comes, we need to see it as an opportunity to grow. We need to see our sufferings as an opportunity 
to God, for God's strength to build us up as we learn to fully depend upon Him. No matter what the struggle, no matter what the trial, no matter what the suffering that comes our way, we need to be able to stand strong and stand on the highest mountaintop or in the lowest valley and proclaim that God is going to make good out of His promises. For God works together for the good of those who love Him and who are called according to His purposes. We need to be able to say God is good not only in the good times, but we need to be able to say God is good in the bad times. And we need to shout it so loud in the deepest valley that the devil lowest in hell can hear it. Church, we need to be able to say that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Let's practice that one more time. God is good. And all the time, God is good. Amen. We need to be able to say that not only when we are just filled with passion and energy and excitement at the end of a service or during it like now. We need to be able to say it, even sometimes so with a squeaky voice, our profession of it will lead us through because there is hope there that God is going to work together for the good of those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. Do you remember Nate Saint that I read about just a moment ago and his four friends. Well, the story's not over. Nate died serving the Lord and taking the gospel where it had never been before. But that's not the end of the story. Nate's sister Rachel, along with Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband also was killed by the Wyadani, went back to the Wyadani people and shared the gospel with them. And they later lived with them. Rachel died there among them. She was buried in that place among those people. Because of the love that they showed the tribal people, many believed in Jesus and were saved, including some of the very people who had killed Nate and his friends. Nate's son Steve joined his aunt Rachel each summer in the jungle among the tribe that killed his dad. But because he now understands the love and grace of God, Steve is friends with the very man who killed his dad, and they are now brothers in Christ, pictured above. Nate will tell you, before he'll say anything else, that he loves that man. And it was because of Jesus that he loves that man. Steve and his sister were even baptized by several Wyadani believers, including Minakay, who is standing next to him. They baptized them into Jesus Christ in the river beside the place where their father died. I just think that's absolutely incredible. And Steve, to this day, still visits them often, though he lives in the States and his health is declining just a little bit, he is still very much present in the life of the Wyadani. Nate's death and that of his friends was sad. It was a suffering of great, great hardship, but it was not a waste. God used he and his friends' death to help the gospel grow among the Wyadani, the people that they loved, because God first loved.
In a great sermon on hope, A.W. Tozer said, The Christian's hope is sound because it is founded upon the character of God and the redeeming work of His Son, Jesus Christ. For this reason, Peter could call it a living hope. It is a living hope because it rests on the reality and not on fancy. It is not wishful dreaming, but vital expectation with the whole might of the Most High behind it. I love that. I love that. Verses 8 and 9 again say that though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Church, Jesus is the only one who can not only lead us through our sufferings, but He's also the only one who can help us find purpose in our sufferings. Billy Graham said that my hope does not rest in the affairs of this world. It rests in Christ, who is coming again. That's the living hope. So church, let us not lose heart or lose faith despite our trials and sufferings, but let us have joy and hope beyond our sufferings that we have already received our reward in Jesus Christ. That we've already already received our salvation. And now let us hold fast to Him as we wait to see its fullness come to pass not only in heaven, but on the other side of the sufferings that we face with Him. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. For He is the one who has led us to a place where we can be led by You. Through His selfless sacrifice, Lord, You have made a way for us to return to your presence in heaven. But Lord, not only then, you you have poured out the richness of your love through Jesus Christ and given us the presence of your Spirit that we might walk with you in this life, that we can get a taste of, of future glory by your presence that we feel now. Lord, Satan uses sufferings to cause us to question your presence in our life. He uses sufferings and pains and trials to cause us to think that maybe you don't care. That just maybe you did this to us. But Lord, as much as Satan tries to tell us that, you scream even louder that you don't like it any more than we do. That Lord, despite the sufferings that we're going to go through because we live in a sinful world, We are all subject to it. We all commit sin. Lord, you have said despite that, you will walk with us through suffering. Remind us, Lord, not only that you're there, but that you have walked where we walked. That Jesus not only walked in in a sinful world, but he bore it all, all sin of all man, on his shoulders on the cross. Lord, he ran through his mind in that period of time where he was absent from your presence because of our sin, just exactly what 
what the frailty and, and futility of, of mankind was. How awful the sin and grievous it is that we commit. But Lord, He endured it. Pure perfection eliminated vile sin that we might be free. Help us recognize just the great lengths that you have gone through. Lord, not only to allow us not to suffer forever, but to hold us through sufferings now. Teach us, Lord, to have hope beyond our sufferings because of the living hope offered through Jesus Christ. So it's in his wonderful name I pray. Amen. Today, if you are struggling with some kind of suffering in your life, I pray that you'll give it to the Lord. Do not allow it to drive a wedge so deep that you begin to question just exactly where God is and question even further, does He care? Those questions may arise in our life, but let us be ever presently reminded and also remind others too that are going through these types of sufferings and hardships that God is there if we allow Him to be. We are told to draw, draw near unto God and He will draw near unto us. Ask for that presence today. If you are struggling and suffering, I ask that you'll come and, and let the presence of Christ fill you as you give it to Him at the altar. If you are without Christ today and you are suffering and struggling in sin and you have not repented of it yet, do not allow that sin to lead to your eternal death and separation from God. May you come today and give your heart, soul, and life to Him. Commit yourself to Jesus Christ. Commit yourself to baptism that you might walk in newness of life, cleansed and forgiven of all sin. That you might still struggle in this life, but you will no longer do it alone. And you'll no longer see it as only an end, but only the beginning of what God has yet to do. And if you're struggling because somebody else in your life is struggling, I pray that you'll bring that prayer, that burden to the altar. Lay it down on their behalf. Because God knows and He cares even more than you do. Offer that invitation to anyone who will accept it as we stand and we sing.